I'm Jason Hoffmeister. This is my wife, Jennifer. We've been married 20 years, June 27th. And it's been an interesting road. Jason and I met in high school and fell in love and dated for quite a while. We dated for off and on for six years. Um, and figured it, it, this is the man I love. And I don't know how people make marriage work, but if I'm gonna make it work, it's, it's with this person. And so we, we got married. I know for me, the only models of a great marriage, my grandparents, they were good models, but I didn't live with them. I didn't see that all the time. I didn't see that they ever fought and that they resolved things. Um, but then outside of that, it was TV and movies, Disney. Disney <laughs> lies where they say, uh, they they both lived happily ever after. It's like they had to do no work. They just everything just fell into place and worked out perfectly. And that was not us. We we struggled. We worked very hard at it. Uh, we went through uh, a really rough patch over a decade ago, uh, where I uh, I actually moved out for a little bit. Actually, at that point, I had asked him to. He had had a relationship that was <clears throat> inappropriate, um, and I had, we had been so, through so many things up until then, and we tried it so many different ways to fix it. Um, we had even gone to counseling, and and at that point I said, I, I can't do this. I can't, I can't forgive you for what has happened. Um, I love you. Love clearly is not enough because we can't get through what is going on. It's, it's, it's just one crisis after another. One Sunday, I came to Pikes Peak Christian Church, and uh, Darren was preaching on marriage and what uh, what a husband should be. And I, I took his message to heart, and I, I thought, man, I have been none of those things. And I, I went back to, to Jennifer, and I told her that uh, that divorce is not an option. That we're going to try this a different way. And uh, we brought God into our marriage. And you know, he, God started to work on me and, and changed my heart. And I didn't believe him. I've been trying to get him to come to church with me for years. And so I said, "Wow, um, okay, I don't, I don't know what to do with that." But um, figured, hey, this is let's try this. Let's let's see if if this is a real thing. One of the first changes uh, was we both started going to church every Sunday together. Uh, that we we had gone to church in the past, on and off. Uh, one of us would go, or uh, depending on my work schedule, I used to make a lot of excuses. I was working night shift. I was too tired. Uh, you know, it just didn't work with my schedule. I, I always make these excuses. And, and and that's all it was, was was an excuse. Once I, I fully committed, we uh, started coming together and uh, coming to, to church as, as a team, as a, as a married couple, instead of individuals or whatever we felt like that that was that was the biggest I think changing point because as we started uh, and as, as I started growing closer to to God that our relationship 
uh, started to grow and we got closer to each other. There, there's been times where, where we've kind of gone back to our old ways and tried to uh, take control. And, and what I've found is, is our plan and our way of doing things is, is not right. It's what we've learned over the last 20 years. It's years. very flawed. Um, and if we just step back and let the Holy Spirit guide us, so many amazing things can happen. So many um, beautiful things can come out of our adventure in this marriage, um, both the good and the bad. And we are in a better place than we ever thought we could be. Um, and I have seen my husband turn into the person that I always wanted for a husband. <laughs> Yeah. I heard someone go, ah, then I heard someone else cry. So, um, pride touches us all in different ways. We love marriages. We believe that when a marriage works well, the family goes well. When the family goes well, the community goes well. And so, there's really a ripple effect all through our culture. And so, we have a ministry called Reengage that we do twice a year. It's a pretty intensive class about 16 weeks of small group environments where you meet with other couples and really share about what God's doing in your life to improve your marriage. And we're offering the next class starting in August. There's information in your bulletin about the, the time, the dates, when it is, and how to register for it. I would encourage you, if, uh, if you value your marriage, have never gone to something like that, it is great. Your marriage deserves it. And so uh, you might want to get signed up. It does fill up and we cap it. So um, you want to get in as soon as you can and reserve your space. We've been talking about marriage and actually family relationships uh, the last few weeks. Pastor Sam last week talked about parenting and even the work relationships between uh, masters and slaves, which really translates well into even uh, employers and employees and and those kind of relationships, those that we're working with. And I want to step back for a minute in our series on Ephesians and make sure that we see something that I think Paul is trying to uh, uh, display to us. That in, in those relationships between marriage, your relationship with your kids, and your relationships at work, that dominates most of our lives. I mean, those are the most intense relationships we have going on. Those people get to know us very well. They know our good side. They know our dark side. They see our weaknesses. They see our strengths. They see how broken we are, that we're not perfect people. And so here's what happens in relationships. The closer you get to people, um, it exposes your limitations and weaknesses. And that's why we need God's Spirit to enable you to go beyond yourself, what you're able to bring into the relationship. You need outside help to help you become what you're not. And God allows that or has provided that through his Holy Spirit. Now, there's something as you step back in Ephesians and notice that when Paul's writing, there, wasn't, there, there weren't heading breaks, chapter breaks like you have in your Bible. So it's, it was all one flowing letter. And It's interesting that Paul is focusing on these three critical relationships, probably the most critical in most of our lives. If you're married, marriage is critical. If you have kids, that's very important. And everyone here has been a kid, so that relationship with your parents is so uh, uh, big in your life. And then you've got the relationships at work. So that's very big in our lives. And yet, while he's focusing on relationships, he says there are other um, dynamic forces at play in your relationships. 
And he places these relationships in between um, two very different dynamic forces. So on the one side, you've got the Holy Spirit. He talked about that in chapter 5. He says, you know, be filled with the Spirit. And then he goes into all these relationships because you need to be filled with the Spirit to conduct these relationships in a God-honoring way. And we're going to talk about that today to some degree. But he also says, and we'll look at this in the next couple weeks, that there's a spiritual war going on all around you and in your life. There are evil spirits at play as well. And the Holy Spirit and the evil spirits are both invisible, both trying to influence you, but in different directions. One's trying to bring life and joy and peace, and one's trying to bring chaos and disruption and death. And you and I are being, um, are being affected by both of those, whether we realize it or not. Both are, are trying to get our attention. And yet so often we're oblivious to it. We think if I just practice these principles of of marriage or principles of parenting, it'll work. But I I just want to tell you, it's bigger than that. And Paul's putting these relationships in between these two things because it's as if these two are at play on the battlefield of the marriage, the, the, the home, and your job. And you need to be aware of it. And so my question for you is this. Who is influencing you more? Who's having the greater influence in those relationships? Are you experiencing peace and joy in life? Or is, a rela- is there a relationship in your life where you says, no, there's chaos and there's, and there's uh, uh, brokenness and there's death? Well, I can tell you who's getting his way in your relationship, whether you see it or not. There's an evil spirit who wants to destroy relationships. We were made for relationships. God made us to love him and love other people. And of all the beautiful things God has in this world, the most beautiful are people. And they will bring you incredible joy and they will bring you incredible pain. And our human reaction is to say, like, if I experience pain with people, I just need to cut people out of my life. That's not the solution. The solution is to bring the Holy Spirit in, allow God, really, God through his Holy Spirit to have a greater say in those relationships so we can do better, we can succeed. Now, when I was a little boy, the first time I went out to mow the lawn, my parents gave me this, I don't know if you guys have ever seen one of these, but it's a lawnmower. That, that you just push, and it's got a cylinder with the blade, and if you push it fast, it cuts the grass. You've got to push it fast. If you push it slow, it just pets the grass. <laughs> but if you push it fast, you watch grass start to fly, and so you're, you're working this thing and generating the power to make it go. Well, when I got older and we got a, a gas-powered mower, it was like, wow, this is awesome. It not only pushes more easily, it cuts better. I can get this work done faster, and man, just having that power. Well, your relationships can manage to some degree with your own power. How much more can they succeed with this extra power that God has offered through his Holy Spirit? So what I want to talk to you about today, and Julie's going to come up in a little while and participate with me, we want to share with you that the Holy Spirit is a vital part of good relationships. And if you don't know how to bring them in, maybe today you walk away saying, oh, that's how it works, or that's what I need to be doing. Because some of you are at the verge of a relationship, and it could be your marriage, it could be with one of your kids, it could be with your student, with your parents, or, or with a, a person you work with, and you're at the verge of saying, I'm done with it, it's over. I'm, I'm going to quit that, I'm going to get out of that, I'm going to cut them out of my life, and I'm telling you, God, God can fix it. God can repair it if you allow him to start working through you, through his Holy Spirit. So three ways the Holy Spirit works in our lives, in our relationships in particular. One is the Spirit gives strength to do the difficult. He gives us strength to do the difficult. Now, just to show you the context of the passage, I'm going to go back to Ephesians chapter 5, starting with verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that's debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. 
And then he goes on to say, here's the effect it'll have on your lives. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. So you're encouraging one another. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. There's a, a worshipful spirit. Always giving thanks or giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus. There's gratitude. And then he says, and submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Then the very next statement, wives submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. In fact, he'll go into the next section about, about kids and their parents and then about, about slaves and their masters. And every one of those, he's talking about this issue of submission. And submission is hard for any one of us. For any of us that's under authority, and really every one of us in some level, if, if not many, are under authority. So in your job, even if you're in the military, the military is known for its chain of what? Command. And, and even though you're under this authority, this authority is under this authority, this under this authority, this under this authority, authority even submits to a higher authority. So we're all called to submit in different areas. And submission is so hard. I really like my way. I like things done the way I like them done. And submission means I don't get my way. Now, sometimes it may align with my way, but a lot of times it doesn't. And I do it anyway because out of reverence for Christ. But if you don't have reverence for Christ, you're, you're going to have a hard time submitting. It's hard enough as a Christian. It's really hard when you don't have Christ working in you to give you the desire to submit. You know what else is really hard? To be a sacrificial leader like Jesus. Because when he says, husbands, lay your lives, lay your lives down for your wives as Christ did that for the church. And I go, really? I've got to lay my life, my life down for my wife? You're kidding me. I got, I've got desires, I've got wills, I've got priorities, I've got my own needs. He says, yeah, but you, you put those on second. Your spouse comes first. You're going to lead like Jesus. You go, ah, it's not easy. That's right. That's why you need the Holy Spirit to do what God's called us to do. And so when you've got a husband who's, uh, who's living like that, you may say, well, man, I, I, I could submit to a husband like that. I could follow a husband like that. Or, or a husband would say, you know, if my, if my wife, you know, really trusted me and respected me, I, I, could, I could lead well. I, I'd be willing to lay my life down for her. But the fact is, we often are in relationships where the other person's not doing that other part. So what do you do? What do you do if your parents aren't exasperating you? See, I grew up in a home, and I've shared this before, my dad was a pretty tough dad. And he would get my siblings and I pretty angry at times. I would honestly say there are times that, that some of us hated our dad. He was just unreasonable. He was rude, sometimes vulgar. And when I became a Christian, God began to work on my heart to where I actually looked at my dad differently. I saw my dad as a big boy that was terribly broken. And all of a sudden, I had pity for him. I said, oh, my, my dad, he's doing this because he's so broken, and I feel sorry for him. He's hurting the relationships around him. I was filled with a love for my dad, and, and several of my siblings also uh, approached my dad that way. And we began to realize my job is to honor him. He is our father. And whether he acts like a godly man or not, I still am obligated. Now, I know if you're in a situation where someone is abusive and, and, or calling you to do something that violates your Christian faith, um, that, that we're to resist that. But... A lot of times, the person above us could be your boss at work. I don't like the way he does it. I don't like the way she does it. I don't like the way my leaders do this. Um, the Bible would say, you still honor them. You, you still listen to them. God is working through them and, and wants you to honor that title that they carry. And maybe in time, because of that, they will change. Um, God wants us 
to have the Holy Spirit to enable us to do that difficult thing. That's so difficult, and he helps us do it. But he doesn't stop there. He goes a step further. It says the Holy Spirit gives you the character to be the different, to be the different one. My daughter loves Star Trek when she was growing up. I, I tried watching it. I never got into Star Trek. And then I go to college, and I have a roommate who likes not only Star Trek, but every version of Star Trek. I mean... Whatever, I had a Deep Space Nine or all these other ones with weird heads. And he's watching all these different ones. So like five times a day, he's got a, he's got a different Star Trek show on. And I can't watch any of them. I'm waiting for the ball game to start because I like, I like live events. And, and there's a character that's very distinct in the original Star Trek. The name's Spock. And I didn't know this, but when, in the early days of Star Trek, there was a, a scene in which everyone got excited about something. And Star, or Spock was supposed to say the word fascinating. So he, he got all excited and said, fascinating. And Gene Roddenberry pulled him aside and said, hey, Leonard Nimoy, come here. I want you to say it differently than everybody else. So when, when they recorded the scene, he went, fascinating. No emotion. <laughs> Just very, very cold and stoic. And that became his persona. You know, he was this Vulcan uh, who who had deep emotions but always was calm and, clu- calm and cool and collected in how he responded, and that's who he was. It wasn't that he didn't have emotions. It's that he, he, was, he was actually dealing with being a Vulcan and human blended together. How do I manage these two natures within me? And I think about that, that I have two natures within me. I have me, you know, in my flesh, and then I have the Holy Spirit in me. And he's trying to manifest himself in me, and he does it through what's called the fruit of the Spirit, See, the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5 says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are called the fruit of the Spirit. When you get close to Jesus, the character of Jesus rubs off on you because Jesus was different. And because Jesus was different, you become different. So be the different one. Be the one who acts different in a good way, not a bizarre, obnoxious way, but a good way. You should be the one that in your home, people step back and go, man, mom is so compassionate. Dad is so generous. Uh, uh, my boss is so humble. You know, uh, my, my, my kids, they are, they are so other-focused. I mean, you should be the one that people look and go, now, you're different than everybody else. You're uncommon. You're rare. It's because you're allowing the Holy Spirit to bear fruit within your life. Character is more persuasive than words. People may not always remember the words you speak, but they'll, they'll always remember how you acted toward them. And sometimes we forget that, that the character and the behavior that flows from that is so powerful. In fact, in, in Peter's letter, in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter says this, Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won over without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct. And a little later, likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel. He says, men, your wife is precious. Don't be a bully. Don't, 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 don't wait, throw your weight over her. Don't overpower her. She's in some ways fragile. I know women are tough, but, but there's a way men can even break a woman. Just be, be careful. Be understanding. And wives, don't nag your husbands. Don't keep pecking at them. Let, let them see your lifestyle, and that will win them over. You know, it's, a, it's powerful. See, if, if the people in our lives have a choice between what we say and what we do, which is true, 
They will always fall back on what we do. You say this, but you do this. This is the real you. Our behavior, our attitude, our conduct is powerful, and it can witness of Christ's work within us. So there's a power in that. You know, there's a phenomenon I didn't know about until I was reading this week on marriage that almost every age group has watched the divorce rate go down in the last 25 years, which is a real positive sign, except there's one group where it's actually doubled. There's one group where divorce is twice as frequent now than it was 25 years ago, among 50-year-olds and above. People who've spent 20 to 30 years, probably went through their 25th anniversary together, have come to a place where they said, I'm done. We, we, we tolerated each other while we raised our kids, but I'm done. I've got 30 years ahead of me. I don't, want, I don't want to be miserable anymore. And so they split up, and it's very painful and costly because you've got all this, all this stuff to work through, and it's, and it's extremely devastating on your children who thought mom and dad made it, and no, they didn't. And now they've got to figure out whose house they're going to go to and all that. I, I want to encourage you, if you're in a stage of life like that, and you think, you know what, I just need a fresh start with a new husband or wife, the best thing you can do is say, you know what, we both made mistakes, and we need to go back and rebuild this and get back to, to putting God at the forefront because we started off with something good, and it's just, it got neglected. Help, help, or allow the Holy Spirit to help you to be the different one. Even if your spouse isn't, isn't willing to do that, you be the, the different be the different. Be the uncommon one. Let Christ shine through you. Holy Spirit will help you do the difficult, be the different. And one other thing he'll do on a regular basis is give you guidance to know the right. Guidance to know the right. When Julie and I married 30-some years ago, I thought all we needed was love. I mean, we loved each other. Surely love can get you through anything. Unfortunately, you need more than love. You need wisdom. Because, because you, you'll continually hurt each other. And, and love will get thin if you don't have wisdom to know how to act toward one another, how to respond to each other. I've shared before that we want to reclaim the, the, the book for marriage, you know, what the Bible says about marriage, because the Bible is kind of like a map. And if you're traveling and you open up a map, what I love about maps is you can see the whole lay of the land, and you could chart out, you know, where you want to go and, and what path, what you want to see on the way to get there, and it's kind of fun to pull out a map and look at it, but... In our culture today, so many of us don't bother with maps anymore. We use a GPS. So our, our phone, we open up, you know, MapQuest or Google Maps, and we put it in, on our, in our car, and it talks to us while we're driving. Now, here's what's interesting. The GPS uses the map. It doesn't contradict the map. It doesn't have new information. It is using the information from the map, but here's what it adds. Real-time application. So when you're driving down the road and you need to turn, turn right in 100 feet. You know, uh, turn left in quarter mile. I mean, you get those, those cues, and you go, oh, man, I, if I, I would have just trusted my head to my knowledge of the map, I probably would have missed that. But it's so good to have this real-time input. Well, I, I compare that to the Bible and the Holy Spirit. The Bible is the map. It's very true and accurate. Holy Spirit gives it real-time application, where in the moment you can sense the Holy Spirit speaking to you about an issue in your marriage, or with your kids, or with the people that you work with. God applies it right away. In Ephesians chapter 4, Paul writes about the Holy Spirit and uses an interesting word. He says, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Grieve. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. The Holy Spirit aches, almost weeps, when you refuse to listen to his voice. It is like the Holy Spirit saying, here's what's good for you. 
do this, you know, turn right or turn left or do this in your relationships and you say, I don't want to listen to that right now. And the Holy Spirit is like, you have no clue what you're doing to, to kill this relationship. And where, where Paul uses that verse, he talks about getting rid of bitterness and anger and, and slander and all these things that are destructive in relationships. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit's always speaking, saying, do this, if you're willing to tune in. See, here's the problem. If you're a Christian, you have the Holy Spirit present, you may not have him prominent. He may be there. He's just shut down. He's resisted. He's blocked. He's stifled. We want to open up and listen because he wants to provide guidance. And that guidance will often remind you of the things you're doing that are wrong, like the conviction, like, like you shouldn't have done that. Other times, the Holy Spirit will, will give you courage to do, the, to, to do the thing that you really don't want to do. So there are times in my life, and this is one of the prime examples, where something needed to be talked about, and I hate conflict. I don't like conflict. Many of us are like that. We don't like conflict, so we, we say, I don't want to deal with it right now. I don't want to disrupt the relationship. And what, what we're risking is sometimes, sometimes God wants you. His Holy Spirit's saying, you need to talk about this. You're the one I'm going to use to address this issue. You know, man up, woman up, kid up, get up, whatever you need to up, up it. You know, get in there. Do the thing God's calling you to do. And, and sometimes in our passivity, like, oh, I if, I, if I talk to my kids about, you know, I think they're into pornography on the computer, but, or they're doing stuff on their phone they shouldn't be, or I don't really think she's dating a guy that's good for her, but I don't want to turn them against me, so I'm not going to address it. I want to say, step back and really ask, if I love this person and want what's best for them, then I should talk to them in a very loving tone. Because... Because they need to know that I care enough to have the difficult conversation. You're in a work situation sometimes where your boss is a jerk and, you, and, and everyone else sees it. Someone has to have the courage to say, you know what? Uh, how you're treating the employees is not good. It's not building a good environment. And if you could see what we're seeing, I want to suggest if you could do things this way. I mean, love your boss. Love your employees. L- love your parents. How many kids should say, Dad, I really love you, but can I talk to you about something that's kind of hard to talk about? You know, that's something the Holy Spirit has done with me. Um, Help me to do the right thing. In Luke chapter 12, there's a, there's a really interesting story where Jesus is telling the disciples of what's to come after he leaves and what the Holy Spirit's going to do. He says, when they bring you before the synagogues and the rulers and authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you that very hour what you ought to say. I underline that very hour. Real time, right in the moment. You didn't know going in what you are going to say, but in that moment, Holy Spirit showed you what to say. So the Holy Spirit is willing to do that. I love the fact that God, through the Spirit, wants to give us guidance. When I think of that word guidance, I can't help but, but see the second syllable of that word just jump out. Dance. Dance. Because in a dance, the dances that are classic, like if you watch Dancing with the Stars or something, those classic dances, I'm not talking about the, you know, you do your thing and I do my thing. No, no, I'm talking about the dance where there's two people, you know, they're doing these kind of things. I'm not a great dancer, but (laughs) two people are dancing, those classic dances. They are moving in rhythm according to a sequence of steps in a known direction. And that's what God does through his Holy Spirit. Guidance is really allowing God to lead the dance of your life. Because in a dance, you never get far from your partner, those traditional dances. You don't get far from your partner. You're always close, but there is a leader. 
They're not standing there saying, I don't know where we're going. When two people are doing this, yeah, they're not going anywhere. When two people are doing the waltz, they're going somewhere. And when you're waltzing with God, you're moving in a direction. And that's why this verse, I love this verse, because it it makes me think of this dance. It's from Galatians chapter 5, verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Keep in step with the Spirit. Well, I'm going to invite Julie to come up here with me. Um, we've, We've been learning sometimes hard lessons about what it means to be uh, influenced by the Holy Spirit in relationships. And so, uh, would you welcome my lovely wife? Is that on? All right. Well, how do you know when, when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to you? Well, when I think I'm hearing the Holy Spirit um, speak to me, it certainly doesn't sound like you. Uh, No, seriously, um, there are times when I do hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in my life, and it usually does speak to me in ways that seem contrary to my own selfish nature or my own desires or even my own emotions or thoughts or feelings at the time. And many times it's directing me in ways that I may not want to go or I may not want to participate in. And so that prompting of the Holy Spirit might bring you to some difficult things. Two years ago when I went to Indonesia, for a couple of months I lived there. And a couple of weeks, about three weeks into it, I hit a wall. And I thought, you know what? I don't need to be here. This is stupid. Why am I here? I can't communicate. Wah, wah, wah. I actually had a full-blown pity party on my bed, weeping on my pillow like a big baby. And the Lord did speak to me through the Holy Spirit and said, Julie, I sent you here for a purpose. Put on your big girl pants, get up off your bed, and go do what I've asked you to do. And so that was a difficult time for me to think. It would have been so easy to just say, hey, this isn't working out. I think I'm going home. I'm out. And uh, listening to the Holy Spirit gives you the strength to do the things that seem tough at the time. Yeah, I would agree. The Holy Spirit says what you don't want to hear. And often at a time when you're really not ready to hear it. (laughs) So um, there are times where we may have had an argument. I may have said something pretty stern. Um, Or I've talked to my kids when they were younger and said things that were also, that's kind of my weakness with words, is pretty pretty stern. And like, I don't want to talk to anybody else right now. I need space. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm not giving you space because it's my turn to talk to you. (laughs) And so immediately, it's like within seconds, I start hearing this voice, uh, something like this, like, like, uh, you didn't come across very loving with that. Or you need to go apologize right now. Or sometimes I've found the Holy Spirit to be a little sarcastic with me because I tend to be, I can be that way. And Holy Spirit would, would say at times like, I'll bet you're really proud of yourself with that one. <laughs> and I go, I, no, I'm, not, I'm really not. And, and deep down in my heart, I know it's the Holy Spirit because I know it's right. I know it's true. It's just that my human flesh, in my moment of weakness, doesn't want to hear it at the time. But I know deep down, yes, Lord, you're right. Yes, that's what I need to go do. Okay, like Julie said, I'm going to get up and go do the right thing. The Holy Spirit does that. The Holy Spirit gives us power. And um, one, of the, one of the things I noticed in my life was, as a man, and some of you women might feel this too, because 
life can be just draining. And sometimes you come home from work, you may have had a lot of meetings, you may have talked to a lot of people, you're emotionally drained. And so you get home and you're depleted, and then you have kids wanting to talk with you, wanting to play with you, wanting to share things with you, or your spouse wants to have a big conversation. Really, you're not in a great position to engage fully. And so my human desire is, I need space, I need to check out. And I found the, that the Holy Spirit has given me strength to engage. You know, those who wait upon the Lord will renew their strength, and God has done that. And I see that really clearly now at this stage of life where hopefully I'm more mature, but Friday's my one full day off. So Friday's the day that I can do whatever I want to do. Friday's also the day that we have our grandson. So, um, but you know what I found? Um, as, as much as it may take up the majority of that day, I've, I've grown to love that time. I've grown to have the energy to, to do the things like watch a Blippy video, if you guys know who Blippy is. Um, go, go, uh, go to the playground. Um, read a book. You know, just go outside and, and play in the rocks. You know, simple things. When I think I, there's a lot of other things I could be doing, but I've grown, God, you've given me the energy and the desire to do these things. But you experience the strength in a different way. Yeah, we talked about this. Maybe it's a little bit of the difference between how men and women operate uh, within drawing on the Holy Spirit. And while you're looking at strength to be able to do the things that seem difficult, I had to stop and think that when I want to draw on the Holy Spirit, it's usually an internal thing for me. It's something that happens in my heart, in my mind, in my attitude, um, in my desires. And so help... Drawing on the Holy Spirit to change me from inside is how I draw on the Holy Spirit. And then I'm able to be the better wife and the better mother, the better employee. And so first of all, I, I have to look at myself and say, how can I draw the Holy Spirit into me? How can I develop those fruit of the Holy Spirit so that my relationships will go better? Well, you shared also something that we learn at Reengage about the circle. So talk about that. Well, we did. If you haven't done Reengage, I just highly encourage you to do it. It really will twist your thinking into a little more Christ-like idea. And one of the concepts in Reengage is that you draw a circle around yourself, and everybody inside the circle is who you change. <laughs> well, guess who's in the circle? <laughs> Me. And so um, having that thought process of Christ wanting to change me first again, makes me the better spouse, makes me the better mom, makes me the better friend and the better employee, uh, whatever that needs to look like, because I'm not in charge of changing this one, even though he needs a lot of change some days. That's not my job. About time to wrap up here, so... (laughs) But you know what that that implies to me is uh, so often when we come to prayer personal prayer or even here at church, we say, I, I, want, I need you to pray for my husband or I need you to pray for my wife. I need, you to, I need you to join me in praying for my kids. Maybe, you know, we should pray for all those, but maybe the bigger prayer should be, God, change me so that through me, yes. you can change my husband or my wife or my kids. Because of all the people that we have control over, we only have ourselves. So I can pray for my wife, but if she's not surrendered to God... It's, there's going to be a limitation to what God can do. But if I can say, God, okay, change me. I'm all open to you. Then things move really fast in our lives. Well, the last question is, when you look at all those relationships, how has the Holy Spirit made a difference? Well, as Darren shared, um, he and I both 
grew up in pretty chaotic family lives. Um, I didn't grow up with a father and a mother that was uh, pretty broken and um, certainly had her own demons to deal with and never really seemed to be able to do that. And so when we entered into a marriage, I didn't know what a husband or a father was supposed to look like, and I certainly didn't know what a wife was supposed to look like. And so when we entered into a relationship in marriage, we were both pretty clueless, and uh, we probably bumped along an awful lot a number of years, and certainly at times to our children's expense, that uh, we were learning all the way um, how to do that. But I have to tell you, ladies, especially as women, um, it's real easy in our womanness to get discouraged, to get critical, to have a sharp tone of voice with either our children or our spouse. And so I want to encourage you as you're looking at your own relationship and drawing on the Holy Spirit to develop those fruit of the Spirit Let me encourage you to be cautious about how you do honor and respect your husband. Um, I hate to say this out loud, ladies, but y'all don't need Facebook to work out your problem. You really don't. And so um, take a moment and stop and think, do I have unwholesome talk coming out of my mouth in respect to how I portray my husband to other people, to my children, and even to himself? When I look back over relationships, I think the greatest thing that God has um, done for me is allowed me to love other people more deeply. If I I didn't have the Lord in my life, I'd have surface-level relationships, a lot of surface-level friendships, and um, probably a lot of turnover in relationships just because when things get messed up, you just kind of move on. And I've learned that every relationship is valuable and worth fighting for. Worth fighting for. And, and God has, when I think of the spiritual battle going on in my life in these arenas, I realize it really is a battle. And, either I, and I'm going to fight against the enemy, not my spouse. I'm going to fight against the enemy, not my kids. I'm going to fight against this, this devil, not against my, you know, my uh, boss or employees. I'm not going to make them the battlefield. Uh, uh, that they're, they're not the, the one I'm fighting against. It's the spiritual war. So... I recognize in those relationships, I become better at helping disciple other people. I think it's real easy um, to take an argument. We have them, believe it or not. We really do. And uh, occasionally, like all of us, we get a little frustrated with our spouse. And probably, I don't know, sometime last year we had a big blow-up fight and I got in my car and I left the house. I know, right? So probably most of you women have had that thought where, you know what, I'm out of here, I'm going down to Dairy Queen, I'm getting the extra large blizzard, and you can't stop me. (laughs) But here is the amazing thing about the Holy Spirit. In Darren and I talking about that, remember when we had that big blow-up last year? End of February 2017. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Suddenly he remembers. I remember the time. But we can't remember what it was over. No, we can't. We remember that we had a blow-up, but for the life of us, we can't remember what the argument was about. And to me, that is the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, and then it was just getting ready for the Big Ten tournament after that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, fortunately, God gives us a tool that uh, many of you may not realize that you have access to every single day. Um, It's called the reset button. 
push a reset button on your phone or your computer, your game system, it, it erases the memory and goes back to the original settings. And wouldn't it be great if we could push a button and say, okay, all the things that have been carrying the grievances, the hurts, um, the sins, the bad words, all of that, what if I could push a button and just like, it's just going to go away. It's going to be forgotten. What if I could push a button and do that? Wouldn't that help our relationship to kind of like go back to square one? Let's go back and rebuild on the foundation we started with. And the fact is you do. There is a, there is a button. It's not called reset in the Bible. It's called forgiveness. It's forgiveness. And the Bible says you can push it anytime you want. 70 times 7. You can, push it, you can push it constantly. In fact, the problem is we don't push it enough. We don't push the button enough. And, and there are times we have to say with our spouse, you know what, there's a lot that's been accumulated. I want to reset. And when you reset, it means I'm letting it go. I am forgetting the past. I, I may remember there was an event, but I'm never going to uh, dredge it back up to bring it to the current again. It is over. I'm willing to let it go. That's forgiveness. It doesn't mean um, that it didn't happen. It just means I'm willing, I'm willing to, to not bring it forward anymore. And that, that may be good with your mom and dad, for you in your relationship with them. It may be good with your kids. If you feel, you know, maybe one of your kids has really hurt you and really offended you or, or violated you. Push the reset. Say, God, I need your grace. And the, and the reason we can forgive is because we have been forgiven. Yes. 